drive time. Keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning. We're going to have a great show lined up for you to, for you today. Father Frank Pavone from Priest for Life is going to be our our guest in the... Get, uh, let's start over. Let's get this right. Father Frank Pavone will be our guest in the What's Concerning Us segment. Boy, it's Tuesday. You can tell, right? Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, not only his recovery from heart surgery, uh, but also pro-abortion Catholics receiving communion, the bishops. We're going to have that conversation, as well as the latest information on what priests for life are up to. So Father Frank Pavone will be coming up here in just a little while. And then later in this hour, Eric Sammons, the editor-in-chief from Crisis Magazine, is scheduled to be on with us. Uh, he has a couple of articles on the website, Crisis Magazine. One is about the online toxic culture of Catholics. You know how it is, and you go into Twitter or other places, it becomes like a hammer toss versus dialogue and conversation. We're going to have that conversation. Also, uh, Cardinal Zen has put out a statement um, to talk about the supposed, alleged suppression of the traditional Latin mass. Eric Sammons has an article on Crisis Magazine about the... Uh, the, the situation on the suppression on the TLM. So we'll be having that conversation as well. The, many people have been moving towards the TLM in the last couple of years. And so it's kind of a big deal. And we're going to have that uh, conversation with Eric Sammons. All of that, plus breaking news and stories, saint of the day, gospel of the day, and so much more coming up in this jam-packed hour of Catholic Drive Time. Uh, but the team is here. Good morning to you, Janelle. Good morning, Joe. Praise be to God. It's Tuesday. Yes, it is Tuesday. Thanks be to God. Yeah, and I, I apparently need a lot more coffee. I'm, <laughs> I'm on about 15 ounces at this point, so we're going to have to go another 30 or 40, I think. Speaking of needing more, Adrian Fonseca is here. Good morning to you, Adrian. Good morning. Good morning. It's good to be here. Yeah, praise be to God. You were, I think you were saying you're needing more ice cream or something. I, yes. I wasn't listening. I was complaining this morning. I After work, I was heading home, and the most disastrous thing that could possibly happen happened to me. The most disastrous. The most disastrous. Out of all the disastrous out of, things. Out of all the horrible things. This one things, that you're about to tell us is the most. Is the most disastrous. Oh, wow. This and is going to so, be big. Is, this is huge. This is huge. huge. I was on my way home, mm -hmm. and I felt like I needed to make a stop, a very important stop. An and important I went one. and got an ice cream cone from McDonald's and realized it had increased in price by 69 cents. That's a disaster. It's a disaster. Um, First gas prices, now this, I don't know how much more I can take, to be honest. <laughs> I just, I just don't. Okay. Well, life goals and priorities, I guess. I don't know what to say. <laughs> McDonald's ice cream. Not known for its quality. I'm just going to say that out loud, but okay. The best. Uh-huh. Uh mm-hmm. All right. Well, we have a great show to get to. Uh, we have a lot to talk about. Father Frank Pavone will be our guest coming up here in just a few moments. We're going to pray and then dive into the headlines with Janelle Lay. Of course, your intentions are included in our prayers, and because it's the Sacred Heart of Jesus Month, not the Month of the Rainbow, it's the Sacred Heart of Jesus Month, we're going to pray and ask for the protection and graces that flow from the sacred heart of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, your guardian angel knows your intentions, but if you're hanging out on the live video stream on Facebook, on YouTube, Twitter, 
or even on our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Feel free to leave a comment with your prayer intention as well. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. O most sacred heart of Jesus, pour down thy blessings abundantly upon thy church, upon the Supreme Pontiff, and upon all the clergy. Give perseverance to the just, convert sinners, enlighten unbelievers, bless our parents, friends, and benefactors, help the dying, free the souls from purgatory, and extend over all hearts the sweet empire of thy love. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now the headlines with Janelle Lay. Taking a look at the headlines today, at least 15 killed in suicide bombing at army camp in Somalia. First Nation leaders ask Canadian Catholics to skip mass to protest abuses of Indigenous. Reuters reports AstraZeneca says antibody treatment failed in preventing COVID-19 in exposed patients. Anglo-Swedish drug maker AstraZeneca said on Tuesday a study of its monoclonal antibody treatment did not meet the main goal of preventing symptomatic COVID-19 in people recently exposed to the novel coronavirus. The company said the participants in the trial were unvaccinated adults older than 18 years with confirmed exposure to a person with the coronavirus within the past eight days. The treatment reduced the risk of developing symptomatic COVID-19 by 33% compared to a placebo, which was not statistically significant, the company reported. AstraZeneca is also studying the treatment in a pre-exposed patients trial and for preventing more severe disease. The monoclonal antibody therapy belongs to a class of drugs which mimic natural antibodies the body produces to fight off the infection. From the Epic Times, College asks appeals court to void order ending gender-specific facilities. Attorneys for the College of the Ozarks in Missouri are asking the U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals for the Eighth Circuit in Kansas City to void a federal directive forcing the school to end gender-specific living facilities. The regulation prompting the litigation was issued by the Department of Housing and Urban Development, or HUD, following President Joe Biden's signing of an executive order in his first day in the Oval Office, directing all federal agencies to reinterpret Title VII of the 1964 Civil Rights Act in light of the Supreme Court's 2020 decision in Bostock v. Clayton County. That court decision held that prohibitions on sex-based discrimination must include an individual's gender identity and sexual orientation. Based on Biden's order, HUD officials, led by Secretary Marcia Fudge, a former Democratic congresswoman from Ohio, issued a February 11th directive that bars any recipient of federal funds for any purpose from segregating bathrooms, showers, and other living quarters on the basis of gender. The directive applies to all colleges and universities that admit students who receive federal education assistance loans. Dozens of faith-based private colleges across the country maintain separate living quarters for male and female students. In February, with no public notice or opportunity for comment, the government issued a directive redefining the Fair Housing Act to prohibit sexual orientation and gender identity discrimination and mandating full enforcement nationwide, including for college student housing. It's entirely inappropriate as well as unconstitutional for the government to force private religious schools to open girls' dorms rooms to males or vice versa. The ADF senior counsel, Julie Marie Blake, in a 14th, June 14th statement said, President Biden is punishing religious schools, organizations, and churches simply because of their beliefs about marriage and biological sex. Schools like the College of the Ozarks are free to follow the faith tradition they represent. 
That's why we're asking the Eighth Circuit to halt enforcement of this unconstitutional directive while our lawsuit proceeds, Blake said. The Catholic News Agency reports morning mass nixed from June 15th Pope Francis Biden meeting. President Joe Biden's attendance at early morning mass with Pope Francis has been nixed from an early plan of the June 15th meeting with both leaders. President Biden, who is in Europe for several high-level meetings, is taking off the morning of June 15th to meet Pope Francis as President of the United States for the first time. The president's entourage had originally requested for Biden to attend Mass with the Pope early in the morning, but the proposal was nixed by the Vatican after considering the impact that President Biden receiving Holy Communion from the Pope would have on the discussions the USCCB is planning to have during their meeting starting Wednesday, June 16th. The U.S. bishops are slated to vote on creating a committee that would draft a document about Eucharistic coherence. President Biden is traveling from Brussels, where he attended the G7 meeting, and will fly immediately to Geneva for his scheduled summit with Russian President Vladimir Putin on June 16th. And those are your headlines for Tuesday, June 15th. God love you. The saint of the day is Blessed Luigi Maria Palazzolo. He was born on the 10th of December in 1827 in Bergomo, Kingdom of Lombardy, Venetia, in modern-day Italy. He was the youngest of eight boys born to Octavius and Teresa Antonia Palazzolo. His father died when Luigi was about 10 years old. He was ordained a priest in the Diocese of Bergamo, Italy, on the 23rd of June, 1850. As a parish priest, he would occasionally encounter children who were abandoned or orphaned and living on their own. He would take them in and care for them until he could find them placed somewhere caring and safe. He founded the Little House of Divine Providence to care for neglected children and the work of St. Dorothy Home to care for abandoned girls. He founded the Brothers of the Sacred Family, a congregation that died out in 1928. With Venerable Maria Teresa Gabrielli, he founded the Sisters of the Poor, on the 22nd of May, 1869, to care for and educate neglected girls. The sisters received papal approval by Pope Pius X on the 25th of May, 1912, and continue their good works today in Brazil, Burkina Faso, Congo, Italy, Ivory Coast, Kenya, Malawi, Peru, and Switzerland. He founded an orphanage in Trono, Italy, on the 4th of October, 1872, and due to respiratory problems, Father Luigi had to sleep sitting up during the last year or so of his life. He died in the early hours of June 15, 1886, in Bergomo, Italy, of natural causes. He died murmuring the name Jesus Christ over and over again. He was beatified on the 19th of March, 1963, by Pope John XXIII. Blessed Luigi Maria Palazzolo, Pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 through 48. Jesus said to his disciples, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your heavenly Father, for he makes his sun rise on the bad and the good, and causes rain to fall on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what recompense will you have? Do not the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brother only, what is unusual about that? Do not the pagans do the same? So be perfect just as your heavenly Father is perfect. 
the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. This uh, gospel reflection is generously underwritten by verboom.com forward slash grn. Verboom.com forward slash grn. Incredible tool that allows us to dive pretty quick into the early church fathers and commentaries and catechisms and just so much more on the gospel reflection today. It's the, in this particular passage, it's really the whole of the law that's being summarized here. And, you know, the, you know, love God and then, of course, love your neighbor as yourself. You remember that, right? But does this include the Gentiles too? Well, the first century Jews, they, they excluded the Gentiles pretty, pretty heavily. They, they didn't even like the Samaritans, who were at least half related to them. And so Jesus has come to point this, uh, this flaw out and to say to them that they have to recognize the neighbor that is not the Israelite. In fact, Augustine would say, all mankind were intended. The Lord showed in the parable of the man who was left half dead, which teaches us that our neighbor is is everyone who may happen at any time to stand in need of our offices of mercy. And this who does not see must be denied to none when the Lord says, do good to them that hate you. You see, when the Israelites were supposed to come into the land, they were supposed to occupy and possess it. Now, remember the golden calf in Exodus 32, that really changes everything in this and the, the plan of salvation, right? He had this plan. He was going to save all all people by setting this one people apart, consecrating them to himself, and then sending them out like a kingdom of priests to save the lost. To include the Egyptians, the Pezzarites, the Hittites, the Canaanites, and all the other ites, right? Well, they turned their hearts back to paganism. And now harem warfare was that was now on the agenda. Because their paganism would corrupt them, they had to rid the land of paganism. Well, this also set in motion this, this very clear stark contradiction in their own uh, interpretation of the law. They could not see to have any mercy on their neighbor because their neighbors were pagan. Therefore, everybody is painted with that brush. And our Lord has come to say, that's the law, but now here is my interpret. Here is the, the ultimate interpretation of the law, to be merciful even to those that would persecute you. You might remember yesterday's passage that uh, he went through all of those times of injustice where you might suffer injustice, and you should do so with grace and with penance and with patience. Well, our Lord is, is amplifying that in today's gospel. And uh, we are to live this act of great mercy, even to those that would persecute us. We should love and be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. It's not to exclude justice. Justice will always be had. But it's also this need for forgiveness, for kindness and charity to those that need it most. All right, we're going to go to break. Father Frank Pavone is coming up next. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. We are a young and diverse generation, helping those in need and promoting human rights. We care for the environment. We embrace authentic witnesses and dream of a better world. Our passion comes from God. 
who loves us even when we fall and cheers on our victories. If you sometimes wonder, is there something more? Then come and see at catholicscomehome.com. Gloryandshine.com, a generous underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Gloryandshine.com is a Catholic family-owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions, soap bars, gift boxes, body mist, beard care, and more. At Gloryandshine.com, they state their mission is to, quote, craft every product with deep intention while holding a vision of sharing the gospel. They are good for the body, mind, and soul, unquote. God love you, Gloryandshine.com. Thank you again. Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. I want to thank GloryAndShine.com for generously underwriting a portion of our program this morning. Uh, very kind of them to help us uh, get out of bed at 3 a.m., five days a week, to bring you the latest news and information and intelligent and engaging conversation. Thank you, GloryAndShine.com, for that. Speaking of which, joining us right now via Zoom chat is the National Director of Priests for Life, Father Frank Pavone. Good morning to you, Father. Thank you for being on. Thank you for me, thank you. God bless you and your listeners. Yeah, praise be to God. Uh, you, you just had open heart surgery, is that correct? I did. I did. My surgery was just five weeks ago. And so I'm still in the recovery period. And, uh, you know, it was one of those things that I had no idea there was anything wrong. I had no symptoms or problems. But a routine annual physical showed that I had some valve damage. So I had my mitral valve repaired. And I tell you what, what a beautiful experience. My medical team were all people of faith. And uh, I had uh, just one of the best surgeons uh, in this area of valve repair here in Orlando, Florida, and uh, came through it just great. No kidding. Praise be to God. So your recovery, there's no issues. You're, I mean, you look, you look like you're a million bucks. So you're probably out running every day. What do you, I mean, how does recovery look for you? You know, recovery after heart surgery is an eight-week period where a number of things have to happen. The body uh, has to get back to normal, and at, especially at the beginning part of it, you have to be careful of uh, watching for infection, uh, inflammation. Um, you make sure that the uh, the heart rhythm is getting back to normal, so you're constantly under the care of the cardiologist, etc. And um, no complications whatsoever. I'm getting stronger each day. There are exercises that you have to do each day. My motion is still a little bit limited in terms of what I can do with uh, the arms and with the you know the muscles in the uh, in the upper body because uh, of course you know you were you were opened up for that <laughs> surgery. Sounds so painful. <laughs> it's a day by day process, but uh, with exercise and care, you know you get stronger every day. Praise be to God. That's awesome. Uh, let's talk about some of the big issues in, in the news today from a uh, pro-life perspective. Uh, yes. You know, something I know you pay a lot of attention to at Priest for Life. Can we talk about the bishops first and the, uh, the, this upcoming meeting and the, all the hot contested debate over whether or not they should put a, co- a committee together to p- propose a conversational document? I mean, like nothing definitive here at stake, and still there's a lot of pushback. I mean, the, the faithful are pretty much much saying we probably shouldn't be giving communion to a pro-choice uh, Catholic politicians, but why are some bishops pushing back on that? Father, what would you say? Well, you know, Joe, this is a good question, and it's an important one, and let's look at what the, at the root of this concern. It's not that people want to be judgmental. It's not that they want to punish 
uh, people or use the Eucharist as a weapon. Some bishops seem to think this way. But let's look at, at the root of what's going on here. These faithful Catholics, they're in touch with you. They're in touch with me. Uh, they are making sacrifices every day to live their faith. That's the point. We know that there is a cost of discipleship. We know that following Jesus means taking up our cross each day. And people all over the country, all around the world, are making those sacrifices each day so that they can be as worthy as possible to receive our Lord each day in communion or each week. And then they turn around and they see these prominent Catholics doing the same, that is receiving communion, but not making the sacrifices necessary to live the faith. And again, it's not a matter of being judgmental. We can't see inside someone's soul, but we can certainly see their public positions, their public actions. And when they are not only in favor of abortion in some kind of theoretical way, but when they are actually doing things that increase and expand abortion, when they are actually uh, uh, funding the killing of children each day, these people in public office are responsible uh, for the fate of these uh, of these children. And the, the, it's not only that the Catholic faith could not be clearer on what we're supposed to do, it's just basic humanity. I, I mean, I always say, you know, it's not a question that the, somebody is Catholic who's in public office and says, how about just being human? Or how about just the meaning of public service? The meaning of public service is that you serve the public and you not kill the public. So this is the basis of the concern. Many people share it. And the idea that some bishops would not be willing to even address it, what that says to me is that for them, political loyalties are getting in the way. It's the only reasonable explanation. It's not that these men don't understand or what the Eucharist is or what abortion is. It's political loyalties getting in the way. And that, frankly, whether we're a, a lay Catholic or a priest or a bishop, that requires repentance on our part. And I think we just need to respectfully, while always pointing first to ourselves, you know, and our own need to repent, we always, we need to respectfully say that. Uh, Father Frank Pavone, we have about eight more minutes with you uh, in this conversation, but a question that I had was, you know, oftentimes we hear people say, you know, these priests are, or these bishops, and I'm sorry, rather, these politicians are excommunicated, ex licentiae, which out of the very act, they're, they're excommunicated by them supporting abortion in this way. And uh, But some canon lawyers say no, because the only way that works is that if you are, uh, if you deliberately acted in, in actually committing the abortion, so if you drove someone to the abortion clinic, or you actually committed the abortion, or you paid for the abortion, but these politicians, they say, are not doing that, and therefore they're, they're not excommunicated. So what, what say you, Father? Yes. Well, that is a dispute among canonists. I mean, the canon does say that we're talking about an abortion actually being committed, actually occurring. And so the dispute is, you know, how close do you have to be to the act? Canon lawyers can work that out. And ultimately, the bishop has to be the one to decide what kind of discipline he's going to impose. But let's not think that the confusion here is about whether these politicians are responsible. They are clearly responsible. Uh, these abortions don't happen uh, to the extent that they occur without the kind of funding that the Democrats are pouring into the abortion industry. Uh, they don't occur, you know, without the, the legal 
a permission. I mean, right now, the Democrats have introduced a bill in the Congress that would take away any kind of state restriction or limitation, even on late-term abortions, on, on, on taxpayer funding, on parental involvement, on clinic regulation, on informed consent, on uh, waiting periods. I mean, all the, the things that even Americans that identify themselves as pro-choice are in favor of these reasonable restrictions. I mean, if a minor age girl goes to get an abortion, should her parents be notified perhaps, you know, before she does it? And most Americans say, yes, of course. And yet these bills that, that the Democrats are introducing would take away all those restrictions. And, you know, we can't say that they can take those actions and not be responsible for those abortions happening. They are responsible. Now, how far the candidates want to take it, They've got to work that out. But I mean, for the rest of us, I mean, let, let, let common sense prevail and, and let's step up to the plate. I mean, we can't impose or declare an excommunication, but we can cast a vote. We can call our legislators. We can make our views known. And that's what all of us need to be doing. Father Frank Pavone is our guest. He is the National Director of Priests for Life. Uh, we have about uh, five minutes left here, uh, or six minutes left or so. Father, what about the public scandal component of this? I mean, just this past weekend, I was in confession, and the priest asked me, you know, do you ever feel unworthy to receive communion? And I'm like, only every time, Father. I mean, like, every <laughs> single time. That is the question, and the preeminent question in my mind is my unworthiness. And yet, uh, the, so part of the debate here, I think, is the, some of these bishops that push back and say, we don't, we shouldn't be doing this, you know, committee document thing at the USCCB. Uh, they want to have a more pastoral approach. And so I think the lay faithful are asking, okay, fine. What is your pastoral approach? How many times have you met with XYZ Catholic politician who supports abortion publicly? What is the plan to have a public uh, a confession and a public apology for their very public uh, uh, scandal that they have uh, committed upon us? I mean, th- what, what about the public aspect of this equation? You know, I, as a priest, many times as I'm giving out communion, especially when I was doing parish work, I know the people that are coming up to me for the most part. And, and there may be somebody that I know is, is living in a, let's say they're living in a, um, a, a relationship without the benefit of marriage. And, and, you know, and they come up to me for communion. And they might have told me this confidentially. And I, and I already told them, you know, you, you've got to be living chastely in, all, in order to receive communion. But if they come up on the communion line, you know, I know full well that the person behind them, the person in front of them, and every other person in that parish does not know that private fact of their their life. So they come up to communion, I'm going to give them communion. But if somebody comes up who's, let's say that local, uh, the local rabbi uh, gets online and, you know, he's wearing his, uh, his, his, uh, uh, clothes that indicate that he's a, he's a rabbi and he's coming up on the communion line. And then the people in the parish, they know full well that he's the local rabbi. Well, now it's not a question of judging him. It's a question of what am I publicly saying is the meaning of this Eucharist? Isn't it union with Jesus? Isn't it union with what the church believes? If I give this to this person, uh, I'm saying, yes, I agree. You are in, you are seeking union with Jesus and you are in union with Jesus. And people would be confused. They would be, um, many of them angered. They would be uh, made to, to, to question. 
Oh, what is the church saying about the Eucharist? So it's the same thing with these politicians. We're not trying to judge their souls. It is being pastoral to try to avoid scandal and confusion. But here's the other question, too. I mean, where's the encouragement to these politicians to attend a Bible study on Capitol Hill or rosary? I mean, there are prayer services that take place for the members of Congress and other members of government. Where's the encouragement for them to do it? Where's... uh, you know, the the invitation from uh, church leaders to attend uh, a Life in the Spirit seminar. Where is the zeal for these politicians who say they're followers of Jesus to proclaim the kingship of Jesus Christ, to bring other people to believe in the gospel? I mean, even before we get to the question of communion and abortion, is there any public evidence of the faith of these people or of the church encouraging that faith or of them responding? Again, it all has to be put in that broader context and that's the pastoral context. We're saying, are these followers of Jesus or not? We are just uh, almost out of time here. Last question, Father Frank Pavone. Uh, are we making headway or have we hit a wall now? I mean, it seems like we were making great headway in the pro-life cause. Uh, have, we, uh, have we reached sort of a pushback, uh, you know, a setback of, of sorts? Well, Joe, what we've reached, uh, now, first of all, we are still making tremendous progress Uh, in ending abortion. And what we've reached now is simply a point where the absolute extremism of the Democrat Party is on full display uh, as they control more of the levers of government. But I tell you where they're not controlling the levers of government is in the states, uh, because even though on the federal level they're pushing their extremism, in the states we've got more pro-life progress than ever, and we've also got the Supreme Court now just accepted a case on abortion that, that could really change things in terms of Roe v. Wade. So I want to invite our listeners to go to supremecourtvictory.com. That's one of our sites at Priest for Life where we're tracking this latest case that could indeed greatly, greatly weaken Roe versus Wade. All right. Father Frank Pavone, National Director of Priest for Life, thank you for your time today. We're very grateful. The website is priestforlife.org. Check it out, priestforlife.org. Thank you, Father, for your time. God love you and God bless you. God bless you, too. All right. We're going to go to a break. We're going to come back. Janelle's going to have more breaking news and stories. And then we got a couple of stories from Crisis Magazine to jump into. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. How many times have you heard the complaint that church is boring, that we just do the same things over and over again? Well, the problem is not that church is boring, it's that we are bored. We are the problem. And not just with church, but with everything else. We have lost our childlike sense of wonder. G.K. Chesterton says that children have abounding vitality, and yet they want things repeated and unchanged. They always say, do it again, and the grown-up person does it until he's nearly dead. For grown-up people are not strong enough to exult in monotony, but perhaps God is strong enough to exult in monotony. It's possible that God says every morning, do it again to the sun, and every evening, do it again to the moon. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org. Hi, Joe McLean here, host of the Catholic Drive Time. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, right here. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of the Catholic Drive Time. 
Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations. Real Estate for Life offers their clients a faith-based experience. Real Estate for Life is online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time. I'm Janelle Lay, and here are your headline news. Owner of over 100 U.S. malls files for bankruptcy. The Epic Times says grid operator urges Texans to conserve electricity until June 18th. The Electric Reliability Council of Texas, or ERCOT, the Lone Star State's grid operators asked Texans on Monday to limit their electricity use as much as possible through Friday. Citing tight grid conditions caused by a large number of unexpected shutdowns of generators and heightened electricity use in the state. Texans are being asked by ERCOT in its voluntary conservation alert to set thermostats to 87 degrees or higher. Every degree of cooling increases your energy use by 6 to 8 percent, ERCOT said in this announcement. They are also being asked to turn off lights and pool pumps and avoid using large appliances like ovens, washing machines, and dryers. Residents are also encouraged to turn off or unplug electricity that is not needed. People who have critical medical needs are advised to contact their local electric utility and have a backup plan in case controlled outages are needed later. ERCOT said it's unclear what's causing the power plant outages. Generator owners reported that about 11,000 megawatts of generation went offline on Monday, according according to ERCOT. Of the figure, 8,000 megawatts is thermal and the rest is from intermittent resources, which is likely solar and wind power. The generator owners are expecting the number of outages to decrease in the next several days. The conservation alert comes a week after Governor Greg Abbott signed a bill on June 8th to weatherize and improve the reliability of Texas's power grid and reform ERCOT. The measure came as part as Abbott's response to mass powder power outages across the state in February during and in the aftermath of the brutal winter storm. From the New York Post, even North Korea is not this nuts. Defector slams woke U.S. schools. A North Korean defector said she viewed the U.S. as a country of free thought and free speech until she went to college here. Yeonmi Park attended Columbia University and was immediately struck by what she viewed anti-Western sentiment in the classroom and a focus on political correctness that her that had her thinking, even North Korea isn't this nuts. I expected that I was paying this fortune all this time and energy to learn to how to think, but they are forcing you to think the way they want you to think, Park told Fox News. I realized, wow, this is insane. I thought America was different, but I saw so many similarities to what I saw in North Korea that I started worrying. The 27-year-old told The Post that she couldn't believe she would be asked to do this much censoring of myself at a university in the United States. I literally crossed the Gobi Desert to be free, and I realized I'm not free. America's not free, she said. Her professors gave students trigger warnings, sharing the wording for readings in advance so people could opt out of reading or even sitting in class during discussions. Every problem they explained to us is because of white men. Some of the discussions of white privilege reminded her of the caste system in her native country, where people were categorized based on their ancestors, she said. In one class, a teacher discussing Western civilization asked students if they had a problem with the name of the topic. Most students raised their hands, according to Park. Some, she said, mentioned issues with the colonial slant of the discussion. And classes often began with professors asking students for their preferred pronouns, with the use of they becoming scary as she feared being socially penalized for not being inclusive enough in her vocabulary. 
English is my third language, she said. It is very hard for me to say he and she sometimes. I misuse them. She told Fox that she was also chided for saying she enjoyed the writings of Jane Austen. Voluntarily, these people are censoring each other, silencing each other, no force behind it, she said. In some ways, in the U.S., they are brainwashed. Even though there's evidence so clearly in front of their eyes, they can't see it. And those are your headline news for this morning. God love you and have a holy thir- Tuesday. Praise be to God in all things. Thank you, Janelle, for keeping us up to date. Again, I want to thank GloryAndShine.com for generously sport- uh, sponsoring our program today. Catholic-owned and operated, beautiful uh, Catholic family making incredible products. Uh, this, the packaging alone is worth the, the price of admission. I particularly love it. But uh, thank you, GloryAndShine.com, for your generous support. Joining us right now via Zoom chat is Eric Sammons. He is the editor-in-chief of Crisis Magazine, CrisisMagazine.com. Good morning to you, Eric. Good morning. How are you doing? Praise be to God, I'm alive. And that counts. There we go. <laughs> that counts. There we go. That counts. It's good to have you back. It's good to hear your voice again. Uh, oh, yeah. I heard you were sick recently. Everything okay? Yeah, I'm 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 recovering. I'm I'm about ninety five percent at this point. So oh wow, yeah, it's all good. Was it serious? No, I mean you know it was just one of those things that wouldn't go away. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. Well, praise so, be to God, you're you're here and everything's good. Uh, there's at least two stories I'd love to chat with you about while we have you on. One is the traditional Latin Mass. We've been hearing rumors and allegations that. Uh, that the Vatican is about to suppress or revise the, or do away with the Samorum Pontificum. And so people uh, are starting to talk about this more and more. Some some journalists who have great resources inside the Vatican have said that they've confirmed that these rumors are true. Uh, but I think one of uh, the big telling things for me was just, I think today, as a matter of fact, Cardinal Zen has ha- uh, come out with a public statement basically addressing these rumors as well, citing his own experience as the bishop in uh, Hong Kong, saying that thanks to the Samoan Pontificum, the faithful have enjoyed the traditional Latin Mass there, and they've never been divisive. It's been a wonderful resource for the young, especially. And that's kind of the heart of the matter that I want to get to you with, uh, Eric, in your article on Crisis Magazine on this. So many young Young families, young people are flocking to the traditional form of the Mass. Why would the Vatican want to stymie that? It really is the the question because it's this weird dichotomy where most of us in America, at least, our experience of the traditional Latin Mass in our diocese are it's usually one or two parishes have it. And if you go to it, you will notice it's it's just flooded with young families. I mean, that's that's the primary demographic of the traditional Latin Mass. And when you go to a lot of your typical St. Suburbia parishes, you don't see young families anywhere. And so obviously this you, you see there's energy here at this traditional Latin Mass. This is where the young are flocking to. And yet. At the same time, we hear these these comments of, from the Vatican, from rumors and everything that there's this danger to the to the traditional Latin Mass that we need to do something to kind of keep it in check. And I, I'm kind of like, why would you want to keep the, the one thing that's going well for the Catholic Church, at least Amen. in the Western world? Why would you want to keep that in check? Let that Holy Spirit out, right? <laughs> and, and, yes. and let it make it free in the in the traditional Latin Mass because. This is clearly where, you know, he is leading at least a a good segment uh, uh, of the Catholic population is to to the traditional Latin Mass and to traditional uh, forms of piety and and, and theology and doctrine and all that. And so it just seems to me that if I was in, in, if like I, I mentioned in the article, 
if I'm running a company and I have one division and all my divisions are doing terribly except for this one small division that nobody really pays attention to, but yet it's growing by leaps and bounds. What I'm doing is I'm bringing all my other, all the, all the managers in. I'm saying, okay, what are these people doing right? And let's imitate that and, and figure out what they're doing. Maybe we don't know what they're doing right. That's fine. Yeah. But you learn from it. You, 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 you talk to them. You say, okay, what are, what are you doing? And then you, and you build upon that in the other divisions of the church. Now imagine you're the, you're the uh, uh, editor-in-chief of Crisis Magazine. Imagine if I came to you and I said, okay, Eric, uh, you've been editor-in-chief now for a while. Over the past 50 years, your magazine has declined tremendously in you know, major areas, major categories. It seems to be failing across the board in every single category according to the data and the statistics – what would you, as the editor-in-chief, do about that? You would make changes, would you not? You would do something to correct that. And yet, within the Catholic Church, we have the data. Kara holds this data. It's on Georgetown's website. You can Google it and see it for yourself. And over the past 50 years, religious vocations, priestly vocations, parish doors shuttering, uh, sacramental baptisms and, and marriages all down, Catholic schools shutting down, every category down for the past 50 years. And here is this uh, revival among traditional Catholics and people flocking to traditional Catholicism, why would anyone want to stymie that? It just boggles the mind, and yet there must be a reason. Yeah, there, there obviously is a reason. And, and one of the things that's one of the most frustrating things I've found in my work in the church, you know, I used to be a diocesan director of evangelization, worked at the parish level as well, and what I've seen is that there's this refusal to see reality. As you said, the numbers are just screaming at us um, that, that we're in decline at the Catholic Church in America. And that's what I'm primarily talking about, because I think the Western world is probably the same, but that's what we have our experience in, is just in this terrible decline. Yet you go to your typical parish or diocese, and they talk about how vibrant and how live they are and things like that. Yet all around us, people are leaving. Now, the question is, why are they, why are people, obviously people high up at the Vatican, uh, in, in different uh, chanceries, why are they against the tr- traditional Latin mass? Why do they not want to learn from it? I, I do think it's ideological. I think they understand, and they even admit this, if you look at what they say about it, that the, the traditional Latin mass is more than just about the mass. It really is a different way to practice Catholicism. Now, just to be clear, I'm not, talk, I'm not saying that the ordinary form is invalid or anything like that. I'm, I'm just simply saying that once you start going to traditional Latin Mass, I found this myself when I started going 10 years ago, you, you start to just see things differently. Yeah. Uh, you, you see the faith differently. You see the reality of the, the sacramental life differently. You start to get more into traditional forms of piety, uh, the, the, the writings and lives of the saints you see differently. And I think all of this really does make a difference where and I think they know that. I think people who are opposed to these traditional forms of piety, traditional forms of spirituality, traditional forms of looking at doctrine and things like that, I think they know that. I think they know that if you attend a traditional Latin Mass for a while, you start to change how you look at things. And so, to be blunt, it makes the whole house of cards fall apart. <laughs> All right. Hold that thought. Eric Sammons is our guest. He is with Crisis Magazine. We're going to go to a short break. We're going to come back. We're going to continue our conversation. We want to talk about the toxic online culture of rad trans and the other side, too. All of that coming up right now. Catholic Drive Time headed your way. This is a Messy Family Minute with Mike and Alicia Hernan. 
Sometimes it can seem that our family life is humdrum, monotonous, and insignificant. But Christ began His public ministry at the wedding at Cana. When we read this account in the Gospel, we're reminded that our marriage, our ordinary family life, is important to God. Our Lord and Our Lady love our families, and they are present with us. They desire to change what is ordinary into the extraordinary. The Lord can take our simple and everyday tasks and make them holy. Like the servants at the wedding at Cana, we need to notice when we run out of wine, when we run out of joy, when we run out of love. It is then that we turn to Our Lady and ask for her help. She can bring Christ into our lives, our ordinary water, and transform it into wine. And when we invite Christ into our lives to transform us, He creates the best wine of all. For more advice, ideas, and encouragement, visit us at MessyFamilyProject.org. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Me to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, Joe McClain. It is great to be on with you. Praise be to God. Eric Sammons is our guest. He is the editor-in-chief of Crisis Magazine. And just before the break, we were talking about the, uh, the rumors, the allegations, the alleged suppression of Samorum Pontificum by His Holiness Pope Francis. So we're waiting to see, waiting for that shoe to drop, I guess. Um, but uh, it kind of segues into the next topic I want to cover in this segment with Eric, and that's, uh, you know, the toxic online culture of rad trads and, and everybody else practically <laughs> who's Catholic and online. You just put out an article on this. What's going on there, Eric? It's something that I, I've noticed for years. I've been involved in online Catholic, the Catholic online world, I guess you'd say, for over 20 years now, which just it kind of sounds sad when I say it like that. Um, <laughs> You're old. And just admit <laughs> exactly. it. It's okay. That's right. Exactly. I, I'll, I'll lean into that. I'm told I'm um, old every day by my team here, Catholic Drive. Yeah, time, there we so. go. Exactly. Welcome to the club. Uh, that's right. But I've noticed that it just seems that there's always the constant complaint of toxicity among Catholics, and particularly uh, traditionalists get this um, thrown at them more than others. And I'm not going to say it's not deserved at times. Um, I, I think it is deserved definitely at times. I've seen it myself. And I, however, I would broaden it. I would say I just see it everywhere because I've been involved in other online communities, um, different interests I've had and things like that. And you always have a segment in every one of them that is toxic. That you just that just takes over and becomes just dominant and and they they they, they just are, are terrible in the way they act on the internet, and unfortunately you would hope that wouldn't be true in Catholic communities, but it is, and some of it has to do, I mean some of it has to do just with the simply fact that you know a traditionalist is usually going to be somebody who's more uh, just very uh, strong in their opinions. And the reason they, they kind of chose a different way uh, is because of that. And so they're going to express that. But I do think there's a couple big reasons for that. And I think one does have to do with the fact that I, I do believe the bishops have failed in many ways in their duty to promote and defend and teach the Catholic faith. 
And so the laity is really, have really felt the need to step up mm. and to do it. In a lot of cases, that's awesome. I mean, look at a Scott Hahn or a Janet Smith. I mean, that's just great. We love it because they do a great job. But it also means that everybody with an internet connection feels <laughs> like they are now, can get on their soapbox and they can tell everybody what yeah. is truly Catholic and what isn't. And they can declare people heretics and excommunicate people and things like that. And so that's a real danger. And I feel like if if the bishops were consistent in doing a good job of really doing their jobs, then I think there'd be less of that because it'd be very clear to the Catholic, oh, okay, let's just, you know, follow the bishops. They're, they're obviously the ones we should be listening to, but they just haven't done their job. I also do think another reason is it's just the nature of the internet, that the way it's built it is just built for a more combative environment where you just you're trying to defeat the other person rather than engage with them. And, and some mediums are are worse than others. Like Twitter is probably the worst um, because it because of the nature of the short responses. That what happens is people just it, it's a drive by way of interacting with people. Okay, can I score some points here? By a quick little witty, I, what I think is witty usually isn't, um, uh, retort against somebody and I score some points, I win this argument in, in my mind. And really, though, it, it, it doesn't foster an engagement between, between minds of, okay, and, and it goes beyond that, too, because you just see somebody as an avatar, as, as, a, as a name on a screen and maybe a picture, you don't see them as a real human being to engage with. Um, and I, so I think it's a real problem. One of the things I've done is, I, and I've, this, has been, this has been great. Sometimes when somebody will uh, maybe write an article critiquing me or something like that, I'll reach out to them and I've gotten involved in email exchanges with them where they go back and forth. They can be long. They can take, you know, we can take a week before we respond, but that's okay because it doesn't have to be, you know, two seconds later, I, I give my my thought of exactly what I think of everything he wrote. You know, it doesn't have to be like that. And so that that's kind of what I was writing about is this danger that we're just trying to attack each other and, and it becomes very toxic. Eric Sammons is our guest. He is the editor-in-chief of Crisis Magazine. And we're talking about the scourge of toxic online Catholicism, which he has an article to that uh, with that headline over on crisismagazine.com. Um, you know, I I made a rule long a long time ago because uh, I went through a sort of a phase right after my conversion to the faith and you know my my giving my fiat to Christ and to His Church that I would defend the church and so I, I when I remember finishing up my college degree and I was the only person of faith in the classroom and it was everybody against me and boy it was a slugfest and I, I remember those days and it uh, the online culture feels a lot like that but I also learned a few hard lessons that I didn't convert anybody. I didn't convince anybody simply because I could browbeat them with scripture or the early church or what have you. And I made a decision in those days, learning all those lessons the hard way, that if they weren't open for a conversation, then I would not be open for a debate because right. it would be fruitless. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, we can declare, we can proclaim the faith. We should do that. And obviously at times people will be offended by that. And, and that's just, sometimes that's their problem <laughs> and, and not ours. Um, if we, if we proclaim it charitably and they're still offended, well, we can't do anything about that. But absolutely you have to understand if people aren't, I mean, our Lord says this himself when he tells the disciples, if they're not going to listen to you, just wipe the dust off your feet and walk on to the next town. And I, I feel like we, we have this, we have to win. We have to make them cry submit, you know, submission before we will move on. And like I have a rule on Twitter 
where I, I literally do, when I certain, if I engage with somebody, I don't go more than two responses and I just quit the discussion because I found that it always ends up, if you go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth over a long period of time, any period of time, it, it ends up becoming, you're attacking each other. You start making uh, attacks on the person and things like that. And I just don't want to get into that. I, I tried it for so long and it just, it always ended ba- badly. So, and I just tell people that too, like, uh, okay, I'm done with this discussion. It's not that I'm saying you're right or I'm not saying that you're wrong even. I'm just saying that I know this isn't going to really bear any fruit and so it's not worth e- either of our times. So what kind of conversations should we be having with people online or should we just not have conversations online? Because I've seen in my own personal life uh, being online, uh, really things tend to... Uh, this this is my experience. My experience is I will comment and uh, and I will make a post and people will be very upset. People will comment and we'll get nowhere. But the but I will get private messages from other people who were reading the post and then and reading the comments and the and back and forth between the comments and they'll reach out to me and say, "Oh my goodness, I was I was so thankful that you are defending uh, do, defending God and defending Christ. I I don't have the bravery to do it myself, but thank you very much." And I get people will say uh, things like, "Oh, I really like the way you responded to X, Y, or Z." And so I think we have lost this sense of uh, perf- like we we do things. Sometimes for the sake of the people who are watching, the silent observer, uh, what, what's, what say you, how do we interact with people and spread the truth on social media platforms? And that's a, that is a great point. I just, I love that because that is so true that often we're engaging with somebody, the person we're engaging with might not be listening, but other people are because it is a public forum. I think the key though is to remember that when you're engaging with them so that you're not trying to go after the person that you're actually directly communicating with because you know other people are watching. And so you're really talking to the crowd. So even if you know the other person isn't really following as long as you and as long as you remain charitable, you remain uh, reasonable. You don't fall into the trap because that that's a great witness too. If they're attacking you personally, but yet you don't fall for that by attacking them back personally, but instead continue to take the high road and talk about the issue that you're talking about. I think that's a great idea, and I I think the biggest thing is. No other people watching, and when they communicate with you privately, you can you can have a lot more discussions too. And I know, like Austin Ruse, one of our writers for Crisis, he does this, where he will engage with people who very much do not like him, and he has found much success in having them come along and and, and really come a view and change how they look at things because he's willing to engage with them. But he does it; he tries to do it as charitably as as possible, always as well. I, but it, there's a bit of a trap there, too, uh, in the sense that if you have the time to sit and uh, and give those folks that time to be able to engage them back and forth, I've had so many people really just try to eat away at your time by having this toxic conversation that really doesn't bear much fruit. That's part of the reason why I decided, you know what, if that's going to be the case, then I, I don't have that time to give you to spend hours of my day going back and forth, back and forth. Uh, it, you know, provided that we're not going to really have a good dialogue or a conversation. Wouldn't you say that that's also a real concern for for a lot of people? Oh, it's a minefield out there. And I think one of the, the minds is the, the, the sucking up of all your time and energy because we all have uh, duties and responsibilities and we can just spend too much time. Like, for example, if if you find yourself checking your phone to, to check your latest Facebook 
uh, argument you're in and it and, and your kid is coming up to you and wants to play with you, but you're like more consumed looking at your phone and the Facebook argument, you know, you've done something wrong uh, and, and you need to, to take a step back and you need to be very disciplined. So you spend certain times a day uh, where you, you will spend time on social media, but th- they're very limited. You say, okay, at this time of day, I will be looking at, but during this time, I'm, it's off limits. I I'd, like, for example, let's say after six o'clock in the evening until the kids go to bed at nine or something like that. Like I will not get on social media no matter what, because there are more important things I have to do. I have duties to my spouse, to my kids, what have you. Um, I think those are definite dangers. And there's so many dangers in the internet, but I think that's that's one of them. Is that will just take away from uh, the 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 time you, you to your obligations to more important things like your family. We are just about down to a, a minute left with uh, Eric uh, Sammons from Crisis Magazine. Now you're turning off the com box on your your website, right? Yes, we are, which was a big decision. We've been thinking about it for some time. Uh, it just, it, people who manage a website that has a lot of comments know this. It's just a, it's a lot of work to moderate it because what happens is people, oh, they see the end result usually, which is, which is a relatively moderated com box, but there's a lot of work behind that to make that happen. And we just didn't feel, we had a very small percentage of readers, like 1% who actually commented. Mm. And we just didn't feel it was worth the resources we were spending um, because of a lot of people would jump on and do toxic things and we'd yeah. have to get rid of them. All right. That is going to do it. Eric Sammons, editor-in-chief of Crisis Magazine. Thank you for your time and for your input. We're very grateful to you. God bless you and God love you. Thank you. God bless you guys. That's going to do it for hour number one of Catholic Drive Time. Praise be to God. Hour number two is coming up, and we have our game show back this week, and prizes are involved. And the nice thing is you don't even need to know the answers to win. It's that fun. Praise be to God. You can find all the information, watch us live, and comment right on our website, grnonline.com forward slash cdt. That's grnonline.com forward slash cdt. God love you. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. How should I respond to someone who wants to know if I've been saved or born again? Answer with a resounding yes. Tell them that it is through baptism that you are saved, just as the Bible says in 1 Peter 3.20, and that it is through baptism, water and the Spirit, that you are born again, just as the Bible says in John 3, verse 5. Many Protestants believe that they are saved by making a single act of faith at a single point in time in their lives. Nowhere does Scripture say such a thing. Catholics believe that salvation is a process which begins with our baptism and continues throughout our lifetimes, just as the Bible teaches us. Many places in Scripture talk about how one is saved, but not one of them says we are saved by one act of faith at just one point in time. Again, 1 Peter 3.20 says that we are saved by baptism. Hebrews 12.14 says that we will not see the Lord unless we are holy, and that we must strive for this holiness. 
Matthew 6, verses 14 and 15, it says we must forgive others or we will not be forgiven. Can you attain salvation if God hasn't forgiven you? No. So our forgiving others is necessary for our salvation. John 6, verse 54 says that we will have eternal life by doing something, eating the flesh and drinking the blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In Matthew 19, verses 16 and 17, Jesus is asked directly what one must do to have eternal life. Did he say, accept me into your heart once and that's it? No. Jesus said to keep the commandments and you will have life. Yes, as Catholics, we are born again. And as Catholics, we believe that we were saved, as Paul says in Romans 8.24, that we are being saved, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1.18, and that we will be saved, as Paul says in Romans 5, verses 9 and 10, provided we persevere and keep our eyes on the prize. Salvation is a process, just as Catholics believe and just as the Bible clearly teaches. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Glorianshine.com, a generous underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Glorianshine.com is a Catholic family-owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions, soap bars, gift boxes, body mist, beard care, and more. At Glorianshine.com, they state their mission is to, quote, craft every product with deep intention while holding a vision of sharing the gospel. They are good for the body, mind, and soul, unquote. God love you, Glorianshine.com. Thank you again. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to God. It's good to be on with you. Good morning to you. Had a great first hour. Uh, hopefully you were able to hang out with us that first hour. Father Frank Pavone was our guest in the first hour, as well as Eric Sammons from Crisis Magazine. Good conversations, I would say. Very good conversations. We're going to post both of those conversations later today over on our uh, YouTube, Facebook, social media sites. And you can find them linked up on our website, grnonline.com forward slash cdt that's forward slash cdt praise be to god good morning to you janelle good morning joe well uh let's see tuesday um i'm already feeling sluggish it's like we haven't even gotten started i've forgotten how to do the second hour apparently Uh oh so we're gonna have a game show i guess today the game show's back we have a a prize to give away this week very excited did you reach out to our sponsor by the way yes i have i have not heard a response yet But. Well, that'll be fun. <laughs> we do know they're giving away stuff, and that's fun. But we think it's going to be a pack of like uh, downloadable, printable co- color sheets for your kids. Yes, or maybe Catholic art prints. Those yes, are fun. Yes, Catholic art prints are also very nice. My wife is always looking for that kind of stuff. So we're great gifts. Yes, praise be to God. So Delphina Rosard over on Etsy. Thank you. Thank you for your generosity. Speaking of generosity, Adrian Fonseca is here today. Good morning to you, Adrian. Good morning. Good morning. It's good to be here. Yeah, and, praise be to God. You know, generosity, you know, I'm I'm a very generous person. I've been told that um, by myself. I say it every <laughs> also time. Also the I most look humble the person. I was yes, gonna, exactly. I, was say, <laughs> I look in the mirror every morning and, and I'm like, you're very generous. You are also <laughs> yeah. very humble. 
<laughs> God loves you. If it wasn't for your humility, you would bring in your humility uh, of your award uh, trophy. Yeah, right? I actually I have it hanging in my room. Yeah, I write above yeah. my bed so I can see it every but night you, before I go to bed. You're just far too humble for that. I, I would be. I would be perfect if I was only humble. <laughs> All right. Well, praise be to God. Praise be to God. All right. So yeah, on the agenda today, we're going to do the. We're going to have a good news segment. We're also going to have a. Uh, a, a Saint of the day got thrown off. Saint of the day, uh, the, the gospel of the day, and then of course the reflection by veriboom.com forward slash grn, and then of course our game show, our fear and trembling game show, and prizes are involved. It's back this week, so praise be to God. We had a lot of fun with our contestant yesterday. We're looking forward to doing that again here in just a few moments, and then we'll have an after show where we get to hang out and chat with you. But boy, it's it must be summertime and. There's less people on the road, so we're seeing a little bit of a downturn on certain uh, platforms on the audience there. So I wonder what people are doing for for summertime. Do people actually go on vacation? Is that like a real thing? I'd love to know. Let us know if you do. But that's what's on the agenda this hour. You get to drive that conversation in the after show. Let's pray for whatever your intentions are, and let's dive into our hour, and let's have some fun. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. O most sacred heart of Jesus, pour down thy blessings abundantly upon thy church, upon the supreme pontiff, and upon all the clergy. Give perseverance to the just, convert sinners, enlighten unbelievers, bless our parents, friends, and benefactors, help the dying, free free the souls from purgatory, and extend over all hearts the sweet empire of thy love. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now the headlines with Janelle Lay. Ten captives freed by Islamist militants in northeast Nigeria. The pillar writes, Catholic pro-democracy leader released from Hong Kong jail. Agnes Chow, the Catholic pro-democracy activist, has been released from prison in Hong Kong after serving more than six months for attending an unlawful assembly in 2019. Chow, 24, was convicted of attending public protests against a law that would have been allowed for political prisoners to be extradited to mainland China to face trial in some circumstances. Chow was released from Thailand's women's prison on Saturday, more than three months early after receiving a 10-month sentence in December 2020, along with Joshua Wong, a Christian and co-founder of the Demosisto pro-democracy organization with Chow. It is not clear why Chow was released early. Wong remains in prison. Chow was, re- was arrested in 2019 for taking part in a protest in August 2019 and convicted in August 2020 before she was formally sentenced in December. On her Instagram account on Saturday, Chow said that after half a year and 20 days of pain, it's finally over. Chow said she planned to have a good rest and to recover physically after her time in prison, noting that her body had become too thin during this period. The 2019 extradition law, which Chow was jailed for protesting, sparked nearly a year of mass protest and demonstrations in Hong Kong, and was widely seen as an infringement of the civil liberties guaranteed by the Special Administrative Region's basic law following the handover to China from Great Britain in 1997. The proposed law was later scraped. Several prominent Catholics, including billionaire businessman and publisher Jimmy Lai, have been arrested and imprisoned for attending demonstrations. Prior to her imprisonment, Chow was banned from standing in Hong Kong elections following election law reforms. She was accused of sedition under the terms of the national security law imposed on Hong Kong by the mainland government on July 1, 2020. The law effectively criminalizes many forms of political speech or criticism of the government. 
Chow, Wong, and Nathan Law, another pro-democracy activist currently seeking political refuge in the UK, were forced to dissolve Demo's sister within days of it being imposed. Chow has credited her Catholic education and upbringing with inspiring her political activism. In a 2019 interview, she said, I'm a Catholic, and I do think that my participation in social movements is affected by my religion. When I was young, my dad brought me to the church. We need to learn we have to care about the people who are being oppressed and people who are weak and need help. Not only Christianity and Catholics, many regions, religions in the world. The basic lesson is that we need to learn how to care about people who need to help and uh, people who are weak. And so that's why I care. From the Catholic World Report, Wisconsin School Victor- Catholic School victorious in reopening case. The Wisconsin State Supreme Court ruled in favor of a Catholic school last week in its case against a local prohibition on in-person learning during the pandemic. Citing dangers of the pandemic, County Public Health Official Janelle Heinrich issued an emergency order last August, which pro- prohibited in-person learning at all county schools grades 3 to 12. Eric Cardell, special counsel at the Thomas More Society, told CNA on Monday that Heinrich's policy was disappointing for many reasons, but emphasized the exemption of certain grade levels. The University of Wisconsin-Madison could continue to meet in person if it wanted to, he said. So it seemed that the policy didn't make a lot of sense in a lot of levels. Cardell said that the big message for Catholic schools across the country is that the U.S. Constitution and the state constitutions protect their right to exist and to operate according to their religious tradition. We need to be resourceful as Catholics to make sure that the, that the courts protect ourselves when the government overreaches and tries to close, modify, alter, or change our Catholic schools, he told CNA. And those are your Catholic news headlines for this morning. God love you and have a good Tuesday. The saint of the day is Blessed Luigi Maria Palazzolo. He was born on the 10th of December, 1827 in Bergomo, the kingdom of Lombardy, Venetia, in modern-day Italy. He was the youngest of eight boys, born to Octavius and Teresa Antonio Palazzolo. His father died when Luigi was about 10 years old. He was ordained a priest in the Diocese of Bergomo, Italy, on the 23rd of June, 1850. As a parish priest, he would occasionally encounter children who were abandoned or orphaned and living on their own. He would take them in and care for them until he could get them placed somewhere caring and safe. He founded the Little House of Divine Providence to care for neglected children and the work of St. Dorothy Home to care for abandoned girls. Founded the Brothers of the Sacred Family, a congregation that died out in 1928. With Venerable Maria Teresa Gabrielli, he founded the Sisters of the Poor on the 22nd of May, 1869, to care for and educate neglected girls. The sisters received papal approval from Pope Pius X on the 25th of May, 1912, and continued their good, good works today in Brazil, Burkina Faso, Congo, Italy, Ivory Coast, Kenya, Malawi, Peru, and Switzerland. He founded an orphanage in Traona, Italy on the 4th of October, 1872, and due to respiratory problems, Father Luigi had to sleep sitting up during the last year or so of his life. He died in the early hours of the 15th of June, 1886, in Bergomo, Italy, of natural causes. He died murmuring the name Jesus Christ over and over again. He was beatified on the 19th of March, 1963, by Pope John XXIII. Blessed Luigi Maria Palazzolo, pray for us.
Praise be to God in all things. Thank you, Adrian, for reading the saying of the day. The gospel today comes to us from Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 through 48. Jesus said to his disciples, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your heavenly Father. For he makes his sun rise on the bad and the good, and causes rain to fall on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what recompense will you have? Do not the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brothers only, what is unusual about that? Do not the pagans do the same? So be perfect, just as your heavenly Father is perfect. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. The Catholic Commentary on Holy Scripture said, If we refuse this, in what are we superior to the despised publicans or the pagans? If we salute only those of our clique, we, what generosity is this? And St. Jerome would even point out that uh, some were commenting, complaining, grumbling that this is just too hard. It's not possible to be perfect as your heavenly father is imperfect. And he points out King David, Jesus himself, St. Stephen, St. Paul, and many others who have lived up to this very command. Adrian, what did you find? Yes, the... Let me read a section from Cornelius Lapide's commentary on this passage. He said, But I say unto you, Christ here a bit bids us love our enemies in heart, in word, and in deed. That's very important. He's not telling us to just love our enemies in one way or in or another way. He's saying in threefold way. We have to love them in our hearts, in our words, and in our deeds. So it's not like, oh, UK, you got to love your neighbor. Okay, that just means you have to, uh, you just have to say nice things about them or, you know, I'm just going to not even talk to them. So, you know, I'm not going to be mean to them. No, it's like you have to actually love them in your heart, in your word, in your deed. Cornelius Lopede goes on to say, in heart, when he, namely Jesus, says, love your enemies, in word, bless them that curse you, and deed, by adding, do good to them that hate you. So, in three ways. So, we have to love our enemies in heart. We must will the good for them. We must uh, will the good for them. What is the good for them? That is uh, their salvation. We must will their salvation of those that hate us. And word, we must bless them that curse you. So whenever someone uh, utters evil things against you, well, instead of retaliating, and you know, I'm not the best at this, but this is what our Lord commanded us to do. Instead of attacking them or responding to them in kind, to bless them that curse you, to pray for those that curse you, and then and to do good to them that hate you. So not simply to say good things and to bless them and pray for them, but actually do good. For those that hate you. And my friend uh, who was actually uh, on, with the show a few months ago, uh, Mr. Thomas, uh, he was on the show with us and the studio. And he was telling me how he went out and had a, a co-worker who was a Wiccan. So he was a witch and he practiced magic and he was uh, moving and he was like, you know, I uh, none of my friends, have all they all want to hang out with me. But whenever I have something that I need to get done. Nobody wants to help me, so I have to move on my own. And so my friend Thomas, uh, he uh, agreed to go and help him. And so he went and drove over there and helped him move out of his home and move into his new house 
on his own, just the two of them, uh, spent hours together, and then they got dinner together. And this is an act of great love. And from someone who is on the complete opposite spectrum of our lives, someone who uh, pretty much hates the faith by the very fact that they are Wiccans, that they are witches, and which is contrary to the law of God. So he demonstrated to do good to those that hate you. Praise be to God. That means we are about to play the game again. Thank you, Adrian, for that uh, update from Cornelius Alapide. But we have fear and trembling coming up next. Praise be to Jesus. We're going to take a short break. And if you want to be the contestant, all you got to do is call 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424 is the number. Three Catholic trivia questions that you do not even need to know the answers in order to win. And I'm going to say it. I'm looking at them. I'm pretty sure this is all easy question Tuesday. So you could win. It could be possible. 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. We'll be right back. The game is coming up next. Blessed John Paul II once said, As the family goes, so goes the nation, and so goes the whole world in which we live. How easy it is to point fingers and place blame for the mess in which our society has found itself. But stop just for a minute and ask, what have I done to make it better? Is my family doing anything to improve the world? Possibly the most effective thing a family can do for society is pray together regularly. Pray for our president every single day. Pray for all our government leaders, our bishops and priests, our teachers, our military, our business owners. Create a list of family petitions. If the teenager puts an anonymous prayer request on the list, let it be anonymous. Prayer is our greatest weapon to change the nation and the world. Remember what Father Patrick Payton said, the family that prays together stays together. This has been a minute for your marriage and family with Balanced Families Ministries. So many of us carry such heavy burdens. She's having a relationship with George. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. Deep within, we struggle because sin separates us from God. But thanks to the grace of confession, God compassionately listens, forgives, and sets us free. So if it's been a while since you've been to confession or mass, come home and experience a fresh start. Visit catholicscomehome.org. Having trouble with your car radio? No worries. The Guadalupe Radio Network has just released our new version of our app. With the app, you can get a crystal clear connection of your local station no matter where you are. You can also listen to podcasts of past shows and find more ways to connect with us. Getting the new app is easy. Just search the App Store on your phone for the Guadalupe Radio Network and either download it or if you already have it, choose the update option. Happy listening! Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling, the Catholic Trivia Game Show, where we have a secret and hidden agenda. So please do me a favor and do not share this publicly with anyone. 
keep this between us, but there are a few things we like to do here. Number one, we like to teach the faith. So we look for questions that might have teachable moments, that kind of thing. So you always tend to learn something along the way that you did not know before. And then, of course, we like to have a good time, and our contestants tend to be a lot of fun, laughing right along with us, and, and that's cool. And then, of course, we give out prizes at the end of the week, and that's a winner for everybody involved. So here's how it works if you're just joining us and you've never heard before. I have three official Catholic trivia questions in my hand, but the caller does not need to know the answers to these questions in order to win. No, in fact, they could not know it all and still be a winner because I don't ask them the questions. I'll ask uh, Janelle and I'll ask Adrian, and the caller will have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Who do they trust more, Janelle or Adrian? And then every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Speaking of which, Janelle, who is our sponsor this week? Our sponsor is Delfina Rose Art. They sell Catholic prints and coloring pages. You can look at their for their website on Etsy. All right. That's D-E-L-P-H-I-N-A Rose Art. Praise be to God. Thank you to everyone who tried to call in today. We're very grateful. Tomorrow morning will be a new opportunity, but let's go to the phones. Valerie, good morning to you. Thank you for calling good in morning. again. Praise be to God. How's life? Um, it's kind of getting in order. <laughs> kind of it. That wasn't one of the trivia and, questions, just just for clarity purposes. <laughs> and people are going on vacation. Are they? I hear it. That's the word on the street. Wow. What is this is this a Latin word? This should be a question. Let's write that down. Let's make this a trivia question. Is that Latin for something? Vacation? What does this mean? This vacation <laughs> word you speak of? I would not know. But uh, hopefully they're going to places like that are beautiful and Fair weather, beaches, mountain streams, something. But uh, here in Texas, it's what, 400 degrees and humid? I can't remember. Right. And we're playing baseball, and all these people can't come to tournaments because they're going on vacation. What? Mm. This vacation thing yeah. again. <laughs> all right, so you're, you're going on vacation then? Tahiti? or no. uh, where, where Where's Not your vacation? Do you know? No vacation for you this year? Mm-mm, vacation is inside the apartment with the air conditioner. <laughs> Which, according to the, according to Janelle, you're told to turn it off to conserve the electricity. <laughs> and, and I it, did. I turned it up two degrees. Uh, well, you're a good citizen. Praise be to God. Okay. Let's go. You obviously a veteran of this. Uh, you know how this game is played, and you're well aware of the shenanigans of Janelle and Adrian. So let's jump into this. We will start with Janelle, as is our custom. Janelle, are you ready? I'm ready. Are you sure? Yes, sir. Are you sure? I'm so ready. Janelle, can you tell me how many gifts of the Holy Ghost are there? Nine. Very confident. Yes. Very quick, very confident. There are nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. Nine? Yes. Nine. Okay. Nine, the divine like, number. Like novena kind of yeah, thing? Yeah, it's, like, it's a divine number. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Let's see what Adrian has to say. Adrian, can you tell me? How many gifts of the Holy Ghost are there? Huh. That's a hard one. Um, how many gifts? This is different from mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. sacraments. Um, <laughs> wow. I'm gonna, very, very astute observation, sir. Yes. I'm going to go with seven. Seven. Even though, you know, that's the same number as the sacraments. Same number as the days of week. Yeah. I, see, I see where you're going with it. Weird, weird connection there. I, yeah. Okay. So Adrian is on the hook for seven gifts of the Holy Ghost, and Miss Janelle is on the hook for nine gifts of the Holy Ghost. Who do you trust more, Janelle or Adrian? 15 seconds on the clock. 
Valerie, what say you? Um, I'm going to go with Janelle. Are you sure? I'm so sorry! <laughs> Ow! Oh. Ouch. Ouch. Got him. Yeah. <laughs> you got... I know. It was Adrian the whole time. Trust me. Trust me. <laughs> the, the whole... Very deceptive. You're very... Yes. See, I, I felt like I warned you there, Valerie, though. I felt like it was... I was trying to send you the signal. The are you sure? The, okay. <laughs> the are you sure? <laughs> she, she got, she got what, on. What part of are you sure was the most <laughs> no. troubling for you? <laughs> In fact, there are seven <laughs> gifts, not nine. Janelle, why are you trying to trick trick people like that? It's part grief. of my job description. How do you sleep at night with that conscience of yours? <laughs> all right, so all right, we get two more chances, and I gotta say, these last two are are very easy. I, I, this is super easy Tuesday from here on out. Let's go to Adrian. And we'll see how this goes. Adrian, can you tell me which Roman persecutor? We're talking emperor here. Which Roman persecutor was responsible for the bloodiest of all the great persecutions of Christians in the ancient world? Yeah, that would be uh, which Roman persecutor was responsible for the bloodiest of all the great persecutions of Christians? Uh, That would be, let me think, um, Mussolini. (laughs) I'm I'm sorry? Mussolini. Mussolini. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Very mm-hmm. Roman. Yeah, very Roman. Okay. Um, Janelle, uh, can you tell me which Roman persecutor, we're talking emperors okay. here, was responsible for the bloodiest <laughs> the bloodiest of all the great persecutions of Christians in Why the are you ancient, laughing, in the Mr. Joe? <laughs> it's, it's a just, serious it's, thing. It's morning allergies. <laughs> Don't mind me. All right. The Roman persecutor who was responsible for the bloodiest of all the great persecutions Mm -hmm. of Christians would definitely Mm -hmm. be Diocletian. Diocletian? Yes. Interesting. Diocletian. Okay. Okay. Seems like a made-up name. (laughs) (laughs) I dreamt about it last night. (laughs) So Janelle is on the hook for Diocletian, and uh, Adrian is on the hook for Mussolini. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Valerie, what say you? Janelle. Very confident that time. Yes, Mussolini. It's Mussolini, first of all. Mussolini. Eh, It's whatever. And I definitely had not heard that in the Bible ever. 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 I've heard Mussolini, but just not in the Bible. Yes, yes. Diocletian, in fact, was uh, a great persecutor of Christians. And it would be his... uh, one of his successors, uh, Constantine, who would help to change all of that. So, praise be to God. History is one of my favorite subjects. So, we all learned something new today. Well done. You are in the coffee cup, Valerie. Well done. I'm very proud of you. So, that was that could have been a curveball, but you handled it well. This next one, however, I think it's super straightforward and easy. We're going to see how it goes. Janelle, we're back to you this time. Janelle, can you tell me? What is the name of the small, sometimes not so small, cross of precious metal worn on the breast of bishops and abbots. Hmm. So you said it's a small cross of precious metal worn on the breast by bishops and abbots. Not always small, though, to be honest. Okay. I've seen a lot of large ones, but it's the question is, what is the small cross of precious metal worn on the breast of bishops and abbots? What do we call that? 
I do believe that is called the cardiovascular cross because it's right where the heart is. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. So the cardiovascular mm-hmm. cross. Wow. Yes. It's very specific. Very specific. Wow. Cardio. You say cardiovascular. Yes. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Uh, Adrian, can you tell me what is the name of the small cross of precious metal worn on the breast of bishops and abbots? Uh, yes. I would go with a pectoral cross because it's on the pectoral muscles. <laughs> you know, on the pecs. I is it? I didn't realize there was such a deep connection to the the the, the physiology of the body I, with the faith. It's my one it is, class man. of anatomy and physiology has prepared me well for this question. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. So Adrian is on the hook for pectoral cross. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Janelle is on the hook for cardiovascular cross. 15 seconds on the on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Valerie, what say you? This one was not easy, but I'm going to go with Adrian. <laughs> I was going to say, are you sure? Yes, in fact, you are correct. And Janelle was deeply trying to fool you. Uh, She is not very trustworthy, apparently. Not sure why, but it is, in fact, the pectoral cross. Because, as Adrian points out, it resides on the pectoral muscle of the bishop. Now, sometimes, are they supposed to be small? Adrian, you have any idea? Are they supposed to be small? I've seen some pretty large ones. They're, they're, they're flavor small. flavor flav size. They're small in, in comparison to, like, large crucifixes. So I they're see. small. They're not like they're not like a rosary size small, but they're Very small in comparison to like the crucifix behind you, for instance. Ah, uh, so they're they're that there's that's the thing, and also they're supposed to be precious metals uh, to show the uh, sacredness of the object. Yeah. So. Well, we learn something new all the time. Praise be to God. You're in the coffee cup for two times yeah. this time, Valerie. Congratulations, you navigated super easy question Tuesday. How do you feel? Great. Yeah, praise be to God. And I'm glad I was able to share my knowledge of other people really taking vacations. (laughs) (laughs) The other people. The the, the richer people (laughs) who get to take vacations. All right, Valerie, God love you and God bless you. We're going to put you on hold, but uh, thanks for playing the game with us. That is going to do it for the radio side of our program. Praise be to God, we have survived it. Great show today. Uh, Eric Sammons and Father Frank Pavone, great guests, plus Valerie and everything else. Join us in the after show if possible. We are live streaming right now on our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. That's grnonline.com forward slash CDT, as well as YouTube, Facebook, and elsewhere. And you get to drive the conversation over the next half hour, whatever you want to talk about. Tomorrow, Dr. Paul Kengor will be on. The Devil and Karl Marx is back. And Michael Lofton, now that's a tough question, answering your difficult questions. That's tomorrow on CDT. God love you. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and I love you.
Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome to the after show of Catholic Drive Time, where we get a little bit more casual in our conversation to talk about whatever is on your mind. And apparently, vacation is a real thing. Who knew? I didn't. Um, I, I see some great comments here, but I'd love to know, do you guys take vacations? Is that a thing? Where do you go? What do you do? I'd love to know. Comment with that. That'd be a fun conversation to have. Uh, praise be to God, Valerie. It's good to have her back on the program. Uh, she was a lot of fun. Uh, I see a bunch of people here on the on the YouTube side of things. Facebook. I mean, what is going on on Facebook? It's like a ghost town on Facebook. Apparently, that's the people who go on vacation are the Facebook people because they're they're like they're not there. I don't I don't even know if that's something that are we seeing some sort of a, like a censorship or something on Facebook side, but. Or are people just on vacation? Apparently, who's not on vacation? Lori. Lori, you are not on vacation because you are here hanging out with us. Good morning to you. Of course, Glory. I see Glory over there. Praise be to God. I see Jesus Robles, our friend of the show, is over there as well. Um, and But I've also been having lots of trouble with Facebook. I have to, like, refresh it apparently all the time just to see, like, new comments. I don't know. It's weird. Um I've almost given up on Facebook. Mike said that he, he said, I always try to take a week away in summer and ride my motorcycle with my wife. Since I am in Virginia, I head up to New England. This year, we're going to upstate New York. That sounds like a blast, Mike. That's that's pretty cool. I've always wanted to ride a motorcycle, but my parents uh, would freak out if I bought a motorcycle. So Not for much longer. Yeah, so we'll see. Maybe I will. Uh, we'll see what happens. I uh, I got my motorcycle license many years ago, and I had the great pleasure of taking a motorcycle trip through New England. It is such a great place to ride. It's also kind of dangerous, too, because there's a lot of, like, twisty, turny places, and you come barreling around that corner, and things can happen. So you do have to be somewhat careful, but it is a beautiful place to ride a motorcycle, to be sure. Praise be to God. That is a great trip. Great idea. Uh, let's see who else. What else is going on? Miss Lori Powell's like, nope, we're definitely hanging out here because there, there's no vacation. Joaquin, good morning to you. Don, Gloria, good morning to you. Praise be to God. Good to see you guys here. Uh, we did have some folks, uh, a couple of people hanging out on our website earlier. Paul from Buffalo, uh, he was commenting during the last hour's conversation with Father Provone and Eric Sammons, and uh, I enjoyed I enjoyed commenting back and forth with him over on our website. Uh, Mike says he's a third-generation rider. My sons both ride. Yeah, praise be to God. Glenn Trahan said he is on his way later today to EWTN in Irondale. Nice. Yes, that's going to be a beautiful, gorgeous trip. Um, We were talking about Alabama earlier. before I think it was before the show started. And, of course, Hansville is such a gorgeous place to go to this shrine there. It's so epic. We got a very important comment. When you drive in, it's just so epic to drive into that that monastery because the road is, is lined with white fencing and it's just winding in the hills of Alabama and it's so beautiful. And then it opens up and oh, there's this Italian monastery just sitting there. It's just so incredibly cool and epic. What was the comment? Yeah, there's a very important comment. Jesus Robles uh, said, 
Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is a friend of mine. I have a friend of Jesus. Yeah, it's very important. When you say when you say very important, well, this is a it's a very important point to make. I don't think that word means what you think. It's a great theological point that Jesus is a friend of mine. You know, he said you are a friend of mine if you uh, keep my commands. No. And I grab it up, grab it by the metal piece here, and then just bring it towards you. There you go. Anna is hanging out with us. Uh, uh, St. Teresa of Avila is in the studio with us. Again, praise be to God. Good morning to you, Anna. Good morning. I, have you seen Princess Bride? Yes, I have. I don't think that word means what he thinks it means. I don't think it very does. Important. I he don't. says it's very important. I don't. I Yet that Princess song Bride. is corrupting an entire generation. And I forgot to bring my flower pot. Oh, that's right. Your oh, Devo. No. Your My Devo. Devo hat. When I hear that song. <laughs> Wait, that would be hilarious. Uh, that would be so <laughs> funny to see that, actually. Mike K says, I love the Green Mountains and White Mountains. Yes, they're very beautiful, especially that ride through Kangamangas Pass over there in, in uh, Lincoln, New Hampshire. That is so gorgeous. It's, you just got to watch out for the moose other than that. Uh, well, what else? Praise be to God. Mr. Anderson says there are no rental cars available for those who go on vacation inside the U.S. I heard the newest cost is 5000 to rent a car in Colorado. Not surprising, uh, Mr. Thomas Anderson. Good morning to you, by the way. So it's interesting you, you mentioned that. So what happened was the pandemic last year shut everybody down. We all had to go home. Remember that? Mm-hmm. And then the rental cars were like, we can't survive this. So they sold a lot of their inventory. Just to survive. And um, that's part of the tragedy of the lockdowns, which now we are learning weren't really all that helpful. Uh, Many businesses suffered tremendously, which means not just businesses, but people, people's lives and people's families suffer too. And as a result, now the inventory is gone and it's the supply and demand, old classic supply and demand. The demand is up now. But the supply is down, which means prices are down. There's a, a YouTube channel that we follow hmm. called uh, uh, Less Junk, More Journey. And they're RVers, a family of RVers, the full-time RVers. Well, they've taken a vacation to Hawaii for the first time. And they were just talking about this this week, uh, of how there is like no available rental cars in Hawaii. And how everything, all the prices are skyrocketing right now. And yeah. it is it is what it is. I would think that in Hawaii, but uh, last year during the pandemic, um, I had to rent a car because mine had broken down, and uh, I was quite surprised at uh, at that time. I had heard from the uh, car rental guy, the the company, that um, they were actually still in business, and business was good for them because sure. people could not travel yeah. by air or anything, so they were yeah. using cars. Yeah. And I saw so many uh, foreign license plates on the rental cars. I was like, what, well, what's Well, I'm going sure it's on? different in different places. Maybe here in Texas is a bit of a different experience than it is in, uh, in places like Florida, where Mr. Anderson's from, or Hawaii, for sure. Mm-hmm. So, but uh, I've heard those reports from various parts of the country. Mm-hmm. It is very, very concerning. But that's, that's part of the lockdown aftermath. I mean, yeah. Texas is a different ballgame, I think. We were, even during the, quote, lockdown business was still kind of rolling for the most part i mean some of them shut down uh let's see here mike or david rather from new hampshire says the princess bride is one of the best movies so many great movie quotes yeah that's true yeah i was uh i actually we did a we did a play version of the princess bride and i was in high school and i was uh wesley 
It was a lot of fun. Were you really? Yeah, I got to uh, <laughs> I got to do sword fighting, and it was pretty cool. I, oh, that, that, would, that would be fun. Oh, yeah. say his most favorite, his most famous line. As you wish. There you go. As you wish. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to show the Princess Bride to my kids years ago, and it freaked my older daughter out. She didn't like the the forest rats. Oh, they're pretty uh, creepy. <laughs> they were pretty creepy, and so we had to the shut rodents it off. of we, unusual size. Yes, we had to we had to shut it off. We had to shut it off. But it, is, it has a definite cult claw following there. It's a great movie. Uh, let's is. see. Uh, De- Eric is in traffic on 635 in Dallas. God love you, Eric. Better you than me, my friend. Better you than me. Uh, to be stuck in traffic is the worst. Jeff said he's going to uh, bring him and him and his family are going to come to the studio. Uh, hey, pre- sometime pre- during the summer. So we'll We'd see. love to see you. That'd be fun. That'd be awesome. That would be fun. I, again, I don't know what is going on on Facebook side. Uh, I see nothing on the GRN side of things. Uh, on the, on the GRN page. side, Buddy says, joining the Marine Corps was a vacation. Um, <laughs> I, I think we have different <laughs> definitions of vacation. But. Semper Fi, Buddy. <laughs> Semper Fi. What is not letting me see the comments over there? I just don't understand what that's about. But it is not letting me see them. My friend Alma uh, said Hispanics are not big on letting their sons riding motorcycles. Wouldn't let my son either. <laughs> so what's up with Hispanic sons wanting to ride motorcycles? Uh, that that needs to be explained. I need I need it, an explanation. A motorcycle that. is exhilarating. Yes, it is. It is so exhilarating to be on a motorcycle. Especially okay, I'm going to say this, and some people are not going to like it. They're going to freak out without the helmet on. <gasps> yes, it <gasps> is. It is so exhilarating. Just to feel that uh, that sensation of the hair, you know, the wind blowing in your hair, and and your inches from the pavement, and oh, it's great. It's just you really must hate life, huh? It's really fun and exciting, and it's awesome. Of course, uh, you know, my my wife would not let me ride the bike without the the helmet. By the way, she and my wife doesn't even let me ride a bike at all now. But someday, though, I'd like to do that again. I'd like to buy another bike. You know, uh, the last bike I rode was a Goldwing. It was the 25th anniversary edition. The Goldwing is an amazing motorcycle. Everybody thinks of Harley Davidsons, right? Or or the uh, the uh, the rice the, what do they call the rice rockets, the uh, the superbikes. The Goldwing is comfortable. It's powerful. It's big. It gets out of the way super. It's got tons of of, of torque in it. So you hit that uh, throttle and it's gone. It just goes, and it gets out of the way fast. People can see you a little better on on the highway. And that horn, it's like a fog horn. Yes. It is so awesome. It gets people's attention. It is such a nice ride, the Goldwing. Great bike, great bike. I rode the Harley through the, uh, through the White Mountains, which is a nice bike. It, I, I was a little uncomfortable after several hours, though, of riding the Harley. Mike said, Adrian, take the MSF Basic Rider course. Don't I need a motorcycle for that first, though? Um. Or were they no? When you go rent- to the course, that you, they have them. Oh, they do. They're tiny little Honda deals. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're they're small bikes, and they definitely let you use them. Sweet. Maybe I will do that then. Uh, but it would. You know what I would recommend though is if you have a friend who has a motorcycle. I don't. You don't have a, not a single friend with a motorcycle. Nope. What kind of friends do you have? And ones that don't have motorcycles. What? What is it? What world do we live in? Uh, buddy said you did not mention the best bike ever, the Indian. Ah well, mm-hmm. you know you gotta have uh, you gotta have you gotta have vacation kind of cash if you're gonna ride an Indian. Um, you know what the bike that I, the bike I wanted to buy but I couldn't afford it uh, was the Kawasaki. Um, 
what was it called? It was a Kawasaki, like a heritage. And the reason why I liked this bike, I can't remember the, the name of it, but the reason why I liked it, because it looked like an Indian. It was like the cheaper version of an Indian, but it was Kawasaki and probably very reliable. I really wanted that. They stopped making that bike, though. It was a cool Alma bike. said, only two kinds of motorcycle riders. The ones that have fallen and the ones that will fall. Ouch. <laughs> I, I hope that's not true. <laughs> Mike says uh, he rides a 2017 Indian Roadmaster. Nice. That's a great bike. It is nice. Yeah, praise be to God. So you've ridden then, uh, Anna. I have. And yeah. I grew up in a family that the, my uncles uh, all rode motorcycles. So I started from a young age. What kind of bikes? I don't remember. And I can't tell you the names. But I have ridden on a Ducati. Wow. That was nice. Hey, now. Yeah, that was not nice. on me. I mean, <laughs> that's, that's the other side of the planet. As for a woman with the uh, breeze running through her hair, you know, we do have to have it pulled back and tied tight because it, it does create a mess with our hair. But uh, the feeling on your face, and uh, I remember uh, exhilarating. Yes, and I remember riding um, with my uncles uh, very young uh, before helmet laws. You know. <laughs> <laughs> and so um i'm not afraid of a little speed it's fun it's, it is fun it's and it's crazy how fast those things can go qu how quickly they can get to speed too so you do have to be like on your game right you got to be paying attention you got to be riding safe you got to be driving uh defensively you got to be doing all those things especially just to make sure that um you know you're watching what other people are doing because they might not see you, and then all of a sudden things can get really squarely pretty fast. But bikes are very safe if you know what you're doing, you're riding properly, um, and they can be an excellent a vacation for sure. Uh, boy, these Indian Roadmasters they're, are they're so great nice, on gas Mike. mileage. They're great on gas mileage. I know. The only thing, because I, I thought years ago that I would buy a motorcycle just for that one purpose alone, uh, but here where we live... You get these summer thunderstorms, and then I don't want to be I caught know. in a thunderstorm on a motorcycle. I am uh, definitely considering buying a moped instead of a motorcycle. I would not drive a moped anywhere near here. Now, when I lived in Hawaii, mopeds were all the thing. I mean, and they were great. You could go 60 miles an hour on those things. Yeah, but I'm short. Okay. So, uh -huh. you know, do I have to lower that? Uh, Harleys are short. They're very low to the ground. Short. They're, they're pretty go. much low riders, Harleys. I'm still short. Well, I, I would not ride a short. moped on these streets. I, that's, that sounds dangerous. I mean, these people, the way these people drive, oh, yikes. I for in the neighborhoods, you know, people Your, drive these golf people. carts, I drive a moped. Wow. Mike K, he's a traditionalist. He likes, <laughs> Mike K is a traditional. He's a rad <laughs> trad. Mike K is a rad trad. He likes to, he likes the shifting. Do they make, they must, do the, is there an automatic motorcycle? Or it must be, right? I wouldn't know. Uh, Mike said, I refuse to engage in conversations that use the term <laughs> rad trad. I'm not a radical. I'm a reactionary. I want to return to the church of St. Thomas Aquinas, St. Padre Pio, St. Elizabeth Seton, etc. Et Amen, Mike. Uh, I, uh, I consider myself, along with uh, our friends, the glad trads. I like that. The glad trads. The glad trads. There uh, you go. Buddy on GRN Online's uh, Facebook page said, I have said the only reason for a helmet is so you can have an open casket. Ooh. <laughs> Ouch. And Lori, uh, jumping on that same bandwagon, said policemen call motorcycle riders organ donors. Oh. Um, oh. 
Ouch. I'm not going to let any of you people talk to my wife when I go to buy the next motorcycle. (laughs) I can see that's not going to go well. Alma. Alma. Is Alma a new commenter? We have not had a new commenter in a while. Mm -mm. We need a new commenter. If you've never commented and you're just sort of hanging hanging back and listening to this silly conversation... Comment so we can have a new commenter celebration because we love new commenters. Alma says, only two kinds of motorcycle riders, and you read this earlier, didn't you? The ones that have fallen and the ones that will fall. Ouch. Yeah, I remember you reading that now. Praise be to God. Wow. Lori, you're killing me there. Motorcycles are fun. What are you talking about? Totally safe so long as you... You pay attention to what you're doing. Mike says, the Indian Scout is great for people with short inseams Saint, at St. Teresa of Avila. So he's encouraging you to get the Indian Scout. I bet that's a very nice bike, the Indian Scout. I bet it is. Yeah, praise be to God. Uh, let's see. Eric Rodriguez, Texas never stopped. Uh, do you mean by the lockdowns? Is that what you mean? I mean, it, it did and it didn't all at the same time. There were many people who just kept rolling. And uh, certainly now, you walk around and it's like, doesn't matter what they're saying in the headline news. People are trying to get, get on with their life now here in Texas. Tomorrow is going to be a great show. Uh, we're going to have Dr. Paul Kengor on. Again, we had him on. We did an hour-long conversation. We shared that in the email. Oh, and we're having um, our buddy uh, Michael Lofton on. And so if you have questions for Michael Lofton... Send them my way or call in tomorrow. So get ready to call in tomorrow at uh, 6.15 a.m. Central Time, uh, 7.15 Eastern Time. And uh, if you have any questions that you want to write out uh, so you can articulate it in the best way possible, feel free to send them in the chat right now. I'll copy them uh, and or uh, send me an email at adrian at grnonline.com or message me on social media. I, if you are watching on Facebook, then you all have seen my social media. Um, yeah, just reach out to me anyway, and I will get the hold and they get those questions. Yeah, praise be to God. Now, we've asked Paul Kingor to come back because we wanted, we barely got to touch the infiltration component of his book. Now, within, within uh, certain conversations, certain YouTube channels online, Catholic, uh, Catholic circles online, that topic of infiltration has come up. A bunch, a ton, a lot, of, especially over the last few years since the Summer of Shame. But, oh, we're already going out. You're already taking us out. Uh, but some of that information that gets thrown around isn't, cite- isn't well cited. The resources aren't cited. The resources are just sort of recycled and reused. So one thing Paul Kengore did was he actually did his research. He, he went and looked at all the sources, and he actually says what he thinks is credible, what he thinks isn't credible. He actually went and got, uh, uh, you know, the Freedom of Information Act, and so he had documents released from the federal government with testimonies involved, and he put all of that in his book, and it's pretty big. So we thought we should have him back just to focus on that one conversation. So tomorrow, Dr. Paul Kingor will be back uh, during the live segment. It's not going to be pre-recorded this time. It's going to be live, and I'm very excited about that because, you know, Bella Dodd, for instance, is somebody who comes up quite a bit in the conversation of the infiltration of communism within American seminaries, et cetera, et cetera. So what did she do? What didn't she do? What's been verified? What isn't? That's part of the question we're going to have tomorrow. Kathy, good morning to you. Praise be to God. Good to see you. She says, it's in the mid-70s. My husband, in the mid-70s, my husband had a Yamaha 600. 
And you had a, a Honda 450. Wow. Rode through New England. Uh, had a big map of New England on our wall and would highlight in yellow all the places we rode. Praise be to God. That sounds like a good time. That sounds like a great time. Tammy says, ouch, going to have to ask the deputies uh, at the courthouse what they think about motorcycles and drivers. <laughs> you work for the public defender's office. Yeah, let us know. I'd like to know. That'd be interesting to know. What do they What do they think? I wonder if Jesus Robles is still on with us. Jesus, what do, what do cops think of motorcycle riders? Maybe we should ask our, our uh, sheriff friends who, who are out patrolling on motorcycles right now. Uh, Alaric says, just don't be an organ donor if you're a motorcyclist. Yeah, I will never be an organ donor. Yeah. I f- they, uh, maybe I'm a conspiracy theorist and crazy, uh, but I feel like if you're an organ donor, they have more reason to n- try to not save your life because they'll just harvest your organs and use them for other people. So, you know, if I was actually dead and my organs could do someone some good, then maybe... But I'm not putting organ donor on my on my license. No, thank you. It's uh, it's kind of a weird thing, right? You think, oh, I want to be charitable and helpful to others, but they 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 rush a little too quick sometimes to get those organs out. And uh, some decisions are they, <laughs> they involve deci- your life are cut a little too short, and uh, and bad things can happen. All in the name of doing some good, and the, as the principle goes, the ends don't justify the means. Um. So I get. So Mike is asking about uh, Jesus and the Jewish roots of the Eucharist. Yeah, great book. Yes. If I were Pope, I would mandate it upon pain of excommunication. Every Catholic would have to read it in order to stay in good standing. Dang, that's. that's Every Catholic should read it. It would. I I would physically go to St. John on Lateran Cathedral in Rome. I'd have them bring down the chair, and I would sit in it to make the proclamation. That's how serious I, I mean about that. I mean, it's a good book, but like, I would put a, way, a lot of books before that one. Yeah, but you're not the Pope. So if I were the Pope, this is what I would do. I'd probably put True Devotion to Mary. That's probably the one I would mandate. Yeah. Uh, Jesus said, we have a saying. Organ donors, a great number of police officers are mortar- uh, motorcyclists. Huh? We have a saying, organ donors. A great number of police officers are motorcyclists. <laughs> you have to explain hey, Sus, that one. You, <laughs> gonna, I need you to, you're gonna have to, to explain, explain further. That. Yeah, explain that one, Lucy. Um, Mike said, I'm, I meet a lot of cops on bikes. Their actions indicate they like to ride, too. Um, yeah, also, Mike, so Mike was asking about having Brant Petrie on, and I'd love to have him on. I reached out to him. He said he's not taking interviews at this time, so... Uh, maybe one day we'll have him on, but at the moment he's told me he wasn't taking interviews. So, yeah. Susan Weber says uh, they had a Harley and they sold it when uh, her husband turned sixty-five, and then they bought a UTV. Is that one of those side by sides? What is a UTV? I'm curious. I don't think I understand what that means. But they sold that to a Protestant reverend. Uh, Lori Powell's not going with the motorcycle thing. She just can't. She can't come along with it. She. She. I guess it's just too dangerous. A UTV is like one of those like four-wheelers, off-roading things. So like a side-by-side. Oh, Jesus said, motorcyclists are organ donors. Okay, so he's, <laughs> he's agreeing. He's agreeing. You're taking the other side there, buddy. Well, praise be to God. Gloria said, the, my husband pulls a trailer and he hates motorcycle riders. Very reckless around trailers. Yeah, sometimes. It depends on the driver. Depends on the driver's ride. It's right. like a car. It depends on the driver. Uh... You know, the other problem we have here in this city, and I'm sure it's the same in other cities too, 
is you get these uh they're not gangs necessarily like cl- they're more like clubs not I'm not talking about like the Harley's Angel clubs you do get those too you get groups like that they're just out for a ride and they're riding they're, they're riding in pack and that's that's fine uh, but there is uh there's a trend here in this town where fe- people want to race they want to drag race each other and they want to use the public streets to do that with uh, so what they tend to do, and I, this has happened to us several times, is we'll get caught in the midst of this. So they show up in packs, and some of them will be used to block traffic. So they'll they'll intentionally mm-hmm. go side by side on all the lanes, and then they begin to slow down, forcing all the cars to slow down behind them, opening the way in front, and then they have two people drag racing in that open space. Um, and there's a couple of roads here that have very long straightaways, and that's the ones they tend to target. I ten. Yeah. yeah, or uh, the Hardy Tollway. Toll loop. I ninety nine. Another tollway up there, and you hear the racing constantly. It's just it's so it's drag racing is always going on. Those people are incredibly dangerous, and I definitely uh, think they ought to be uh, locked up. What uh, so Tammy was saying? She's an organ donor. My cousin's wife has bra- been brain dead after three. My cousin's wife was brain dead after an accident. Three lives were saved because her husband agreed to donate what was needed. Yes, that's true. I don't think that's the argument, though. Uh, I think the issue with the organ donation is we've seen the raw. There's been many cases of people who have an organ donor on the card. And they could still receive treatment, and there's still an option there, but doctors have rushed those decisions to harvest those organs in order to save those other people. Brain dead, as we've now come to know from many examples, does not mean the end of someone's life. Uh, There are many examples where people have been declared, quote, brain dead, unquote, and still have recovered from that. So this rush to organ harvest with brain dead is the thing, is, is the issue. And um, and that's part of the scary part. You're putting your so much into the hands of these doctors who may not be thinking of your personal best interest or the interest of your family. So that's part of the the. Maybe we should get a guest on talk about organ harvesting. I don't know who we could get. Could be interesting. I uh, don't know who, but we could find someone. Yeah, we should find somebody. Uh, Mr. Thomas, what if about y'all know anybody? Let us know. <clears throat> what about uh, what about motorcycles cutting in traffic? It's dangerous. Yes. Yay. Amen. It is. If you're going to ride a bike, you should ride responsibly and ride according to the laws. There's no getting around that. Uh, Larrick says, I've been seeing more of those vehicles that look like cross between some kind of motorcycle and a UTV. Are you th- are, are we talking about side-by-sides? Are we talking about three-wheelers? Like a lot of motorcyclists Swing are now, they're getting, they're getting the, uh, the, the, the two wheels in the back. It, just to make it easier, especially older riders, you know, you don't have to worry about balance and all of that. Or the slingshots, which is still a motorcycle, technically. It's not a car. I think they're called slingshots, but I, I know what he's talking yeah, about. Yeah, I think so, too. What about the bikes that have two wheels in front and one wheel in the back? Those Tri- are, are skidoos. Skidoos. Yeah, so, the, you know, up in New England, people, anybody who lives in snow knows what a skidoo is, right? It's a, yeah. it's a snow sled. And so they basically took the snow sled and took the track off. And the sl- the slides off the front. Put a tire on the front. Put a tire on, and put, uh, or sometimes two tires up front or whatever. But they just basically took a snow sled and and converted it into a motorcycle. Oh, yeah. Jesus said, brilliant. We love motorcyclists. The danger of riding a motorcycle are so 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 great. No room for error or distraction, especially on the mean streets of Houston, Texas. 
it's and pretty intense. I, I mean, I was on the Goldwing last all time. Right, all right, all right. I'm convinced. I, well, I'm not going to get a motorcycle. I worked with a coworker one. who, I mean, was an avid motorcyclist, and he, um, uh, God rest his soul, he, he's passed on from a heart attack. But um, he used to ride very frequently. He had a, a Yamaha. He was a, a sport bike rider, rode in packs. Mm-hmm. And it's usually the inexperienced riders who are trying to do something they're not ex- uh, equipped for and don't have that um, the um, the wherewithal to um, to navigate yet yeah. and they're trying something new and because there was one uh, incident uh, that happened where they were riding uh, somewhere and it was a couple and um, when they arrived at a certain checkpoint you know they count they count they make they have a head count to make sure everybody's you know accounted for and uh one bike was not and so they went back and looked for him and they had um uh it was a husband and a wife and he um was an experience carrying somebody uh on a motorcycle yeah and it was they they didn't make it around a corner and they both uh died that's terrible so it's the inexperienced rider doing something he's not really prepared for right it's pushing yourself beyond your your limits, and that's not smart and in any circumstance. In any circumstance, I mean, you could literally be doing anything, and if you're doing, it's I, I'll never forget learning to drive a car. My stepfather mm-hmm. said to me, uh, "You can drive as fast as you want, so long as you're totally in control." It's the minute you become not in control that things go bad. And that's true literally about anything in life. And so that's good advice. Eric even, I think Eric sort of illustrates the same point here. He says, I get stressed out writing. Got to be on point. And that's true. You got to be focused. You can't just sit back, relax, and and let your mind go. You got to be paying attention to what's going on around you at all times. Yeah. In a city like Houston, yes, you mm-hmm. would be kind of on edge. You'd have to ride in a pack. You're, you're very, you have to be very careful. Now, the small town I grew up in, not so much. Yeah, you had freedom to ride. But there's nothing like there's nothing like riding a spirited uh, motorcycle on windy roads. Yes, through the mountains. Yeah, we, dirt bike, no, mini bike, like any bike going uh, down yeah. uh, a windy road. Yes. Yeah, praise be to God. Even 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 a fast sports car. Well, we're going off air. I don't know why the sound's not working, but the music's supposed to be playing right now. All right. Well, praise um, be to God. We are going to call it there for today. God is so very good. Thanks for hanging out with us, having our candid conversation. I think uh, Adrian looks like he's about to fall asleep over there. I'm about to fall asleep today. So hopefully we'll um, be well caffeinated. We'll be well caffeinated for tomorrow. Dr. Paul 